This is the Mahabharata Podcast, Episode 95, Arjuna's Defeat. Last time, we lost a significant part of our main cast. Dhritarashtra, Gondari, and Kunti died in a forest fire. Setyaki and Krittavarman died in a brawl. And Krishna and Balram just decided to get the heck out of here. We also got some hints at what it might have been like to live through the passage into the Kali Yuga. Everything magical is fleeing from the world, and people seem to be losing their inborn moral compass. Until now, we've never encountered a character who is skeptical of the magical powers of Rishi, until Krishna's own son tries to play a trick on them. It is quite amazing how much care is taken to leave behind no loose ends. At the end of the war, when Ashvataman and his two comrades take part in the slaughter of the Pandavas in the dead of the night, we saw the chief conspirator get cursed to wander the earth eternally, while Kripa and Kritavarman are simply sent home. We last saw Kripa when he attempted to renounce the world, but he was sent back to court by Dhritarashtra. As for the third member of this triumvirate, I had sort of forgotten about him. But it turned out that fate still had one more use for Kritavarman. He ended up being the trigger that set off the self-destruction of the Varishnis. Just before Krishna was killed, he sent his loyal charioteer Dharuka off to Hastinapur to summon Arjun to tend to the Vrishni widows. As soon as news of the slaughter arrived at the court, Arjun set off for Dwarka. Krishna was already dead by the time Arjun got there, and the ladies of the city, including Krishna's 16,000 widows, all began wailing in their sorrow. When Arjun laid eyes on so many once proud ladies now bereaved, he collapsed on the ground in sorrow. Krishna's daughter, Setya, knelt beside the weeping Pandava and helped him recover his senses. When Arjun had regained his composure, he headed for the palace of the king Ugrasena. He found the old man helpless with grief. The king complained that his people had been helpless in the face of the sage's curse, but he could not understand why Krishna had allowed it to happen. He said, You know as well as I that Krishna was Vishnu come to earth. He could do anything. He even brought your grandson back to life. So why did he just stand there and let his people be exterminated right before his eyes? All that he would tell me was that our destruction was complete and that I should await the arrival of Arjun. Krishna told the king that Arjun would take away the women and children because the destruction of Dwarka was imminent. As for Ugrasena, he had already begun his final fast. He had held out long enough for Arjun to arrive and now he intended to give up his life. Arjun then went to the court and summoned the king's ministers. He told them that the city would soon sink beneath the waves, and that he intended to lead the women and children to Indraprastha, where he would install Krishna's young grandson, Vajra, as king. Arjun said, I shall take with me what is left of the Vrishnis and Andakas. The sea will soon engulf this city, so prepare your carts and load up your valuables. Vajra will be your king at Indraprastha. He gave them seven days to get ready. The next morning, Arjun was informed that Krishna's father, Vasudev, had also died from fasting. His wives, including Krishna's mother, Devaki and Rohini, threw themselves on their husband's funeral pyre. Arjun next had the disagreeable task of seeing to the cremations of the thousands of dead Vrishnis still laying around Prabhasa. But Arjun had never shied from his duty, no matter how disagreeable, and he sought to the funeral rites for all the fallen warriors. He also hunted down the remains of Balram and Krishna and made sure they too were properly cremated. By then, the seven days were passed and it was time to lead the people away from Dwarka. The widows and their children made a doleful procession out of the city, mounted with their possessions in bullock carts, mules, and camels. Following them came their servants and other lower-class refugees from the city. 
It says the widows alone numbered many millions. Just as the last stragglers stepped out of the city, the ocean raised up and began to consume it. Still full of fine furnishings and great wealth, the miraculous city that Krishna had summoned out of the sea sank back down to its former element. The people all quickened their step out of fear that the tsunami might carry them away with it. This vast procession, led by Arjun, managed to cross the desert, but as they arrived near the northern plains, they encountered a large band of robbers. These bandits had made the calculation that since the Vrishnis had clearly lost their mojo, and Arjun was alone, and getting up in years, that the risk was well worth it, so they gathered up their allies and fell upon the procession. Arjun just smiled grimly and said, You don't know who you're messing with here. I'll soon put you in your place. Not intimidated, the bandits kept coming at him. Arjun whipped out his Gandava bow that had killed so many millions of men during the Great War, but he struggled to reattach the string. By the time he had strung his bow, Arjun was already surrounded by the enemy. Very well, he could always nuke them with one of his magic weapons. But when he tried to piece together the ancient mantras, he could not summon the weapons like he used to. Alarmed as he was, Arjun was even more ashamed to have his potency fail him in so public a manner. The other guards did their best to protect the ladies, but the size of the procession was vast, and a large number of the most noble of the women were dragged away. Others, finding that they could not be protected by their own men, willingly went along with the more powerful party. Arjun did his best, and still did some damage using his analog arrows, but to his surprise, he soon ran out. His bottomless quivers, which had magically delivered billions of arrows at Kurukshetra, had dried up. Arjun had not prepared for this, but he was quick to recognize the realities of the situation. Accepting that this was the working of fate, he saved what remnant of the Vrishni people that he could, and left the rest to fend for themselves. Fortunately, Krishna's grandson Vajra was saved, and the boy was installed as king of Indraprastha with what remained of his people. Not long after, the surviving widows of Krishna departed Indraprastha for a life of renunciation in the forest. There, they spent the remainder of their days in contemplation of Hari Krishna. When Arjuna's work was done, bathed in tears, he left Indraprastha for Vyasa's ashram. He must have looked pretty down and out by the time he got there, because when he was seated before his natural grandfather, the old man asked, What's the matter? Have you been insulted? Have you had unclean sex? Did you kill a Brahmin? You look like you've been beaten in battle. Why do you look so sad? You can tell your old grandpa. Arjun let it all come flooding out. He said, Krishna and Rama have both cast off their bodies and died. The Vrishni heroes have all been destroyed by the iron bolts. A half a million warriors have all been killed. Without them, I have no more desire to live. But something even more terrible has happened to me. Right before my eyes, I beheld thousands of Vrishni ladies, all under my protection, were carried away to the Punjab by bandits. All my former strength has abandoned me, and my vision of Krishna has gone. I do not want to live any more. Ever since Vishnu left the earth, my vision has become dim, and I cannot see what I used to see. Please tell me what I ought to do now, because I feel I have no use for this world any longer. Vyasa was philosophical. He said, You know, my boy, we all have to go somehow, and the Vrishnis were fated to die in this manner. Krishna sat and watched the whole thing, even though you know perfectly well that he could have undone it at any moment. No, the high-souled Vasudev had completed his task of lightening the burden of the earth, and then he returned to his proper abode. You are fortunate to have been his friend and companion. You are granted the particular honor of being his agent in the great work of the gods. 
I consider you and your brothers to be the most crowned with success, because you have achieved all your purposes in this life, and now the time for your departure is imminent. This is the natural way of time. Over time you were made mighty, and now with time you lose that might and become weak. Your weapons have served their purpose as well, and have already returned to where they came from. Now the time has come for your reward. That is my advice to you. Arjuna thanked the sage and took leave to deliver the message to his brothers back at the capital. That's all for now. We are rapidly approaching the end of the story. Next time, Yudhishthira will finally get his wish and enter into retirement. Of course, the Pandava's retirement plan has nothing to do with 401k investments or government pensions. They do put in a little travel first to see India one last time, but the Kali Yuga is upon them and nothing is as it once was. Thanks for listening.